You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! back again for another episode of the x-man podcast i'm your host doc coil thank you as always for checking out the program it's it's always appreciated hope everyone's doing all right i've had quite a week it was my birthday last week and that was at a party for my birthday and then right back to back i had the premiere for the film the retaliators that i was in and so it was a it was a fun couple days that bled into the weekend, so I'm still kind of paying for it mentally. I'm still getting get get getting my my mind back together and trying to get my uh, get back on track. But it was it was really fun. the The film was cool. We did you know we I don't know if you've, if you've seen some of the photos on the internet. You know the guys from the band were there. Not everyone, just Chris and Kyle. And we 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 went with our ladies and went on the red carpet and saw. Many people from other bands, Five Finger Death Punch guys were there. Jacoby from Papa Roach was there. Hiro the Hero. It was just, it was just a really good time. And sometimes you, you know, you're in a movie. Not that I've been in many movies. It's the only movie I've been in. But you don't know. Like, are you going to make the cut? Am I still in the movie? Am I going to get cut out? And I was still in the movie, and which was cool. Which was definitely cool. It's still weird seeing yourself on on screen you're like i think you're too self-conscious because i i remembered everything that we shot that day so i just it's like knowing how the how the sausage is is made so to speak so it's difficult to be objective even though some people said i i did okay so it was a really good time and you know it's just nice to to celebrate something like that i mean making films is so expensive so difficult and it it was a re- it was a really fun movie there was a lot of violence and it uh it had a really cool kind of almost twist kind of ending. I don't want to I don't want to spoil it too much, but it 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 was a lot of fun. So hopefully it's not the last the last film for your boy. We we shall see. I got my SAG card, so let's see if I can I can utilize that in the future. Uh otherwise, just been preparing for this Bad Wolves album to come out, Dear Monsters, which comes out October 29th. So very very soon please pre-order the album buy it of course it it, it helps the band uh you can go over to i think badwolvesnation.com has like all the merch bundles some really cool t-shirts and hoodies and all kinds of stuff and obviously you can get that bundled with uh physical copies of the record and then if you go let me 
let me look this thing up. Uh, if you go over to shop.bandware.com backslash collections, backslash bad wolves, whatever. There you can find the signed CD and there's vinyl, but apparently the vinyl, you're not going to get that till next year. <laughs> so that's not going to show up till springtime. So you'll, you'll, you'll purchase it now, but it'll show up eventually. Uh, yeah, right now getting vinyl made is just, it's a, uh, it's no joke. There's such a, a, a backlog right now on, uh, on manufacturing. I mean, you guys are hearing the stories about, you know, the ports are backed up and I listen to this New York times story about all that. And it's about 50 different reasons why, why there's all these, um, supply chain shortages. A lot of people just like to kind of look at who's in charge politically and, and go, it's their fault. They did everything, but it's, it's actually a pretty complex situation and I'm not going to go through it, but yeah, a lot of things, whether it's vinyl or even, ordering t-shirts, everything. There's a, there's a bit of a weight on it. So please check it out, support the band. If you can, it is, it is appreciated so much on, on our end. And even though I think the way our record label is tackling, uh, the release of the album is, is a bit less traditional where I think a lot of labels and a lot of bands, what they were trying to do is just have a big first week and make a splash where Better Noise has really transitioned over to focusing on streaming. So if you've seen, you know, some bands like Asking Alexandria or Bad Flower or even Pop Roach on their last record, or, you know, and, and bands in that that ilk haven't had these huge splashy first weeks because they haven't really been marketing the record that way. In our record, there's only one song even available on streaming. And I don't know if there's even if they're going to release any more, I mean, you can listen to house of cards, which I played on here, but it's only on YouTube. And I don't know if I'm, I, I agree with the, the, the strategy. Cause you all want that big first week to kind of, you know, high five and, and Hey, we're number 20 on the billboard. It's, it's definitely something that feels good, but there's this idea that that's kind of an old way of thinking. So it's a, it's a, it's an evolution. So I'm keeping my, my, uh, expectations tempered. We'll, we'll see. It's a, it's a reintroduction, you know, new singer, new sound post pandemic. It's uh so we'll, we'll see how it goes, but listen, if you, you buy the record, it definitely means a lot to all of us. And I'm thinking about doing a podcast with a couple industry people to talk about that, how the record industry has changed in terms of do you want a splashy first week and sell a bunch of physical copies and then have everything kind of fall off? Or do you want something that just consistently streams a lot over a longer period of time? So difference of philosophy and uh, something I'm interested in as well. All right. So let's dispense with the pleasantries. Let's get into this week's show sponsor. It's a band that has sponsored the show previously in the past. So that's very exciting to have. Like I said, you guys... You guys show up, and fortunately, bands appreciate the the attention and, and want to come back and sponsor another show. So this is really exciting. So this is a band from L.A. called Red Devil Vortex, and we're going to play a track entitled Alive. <laughs>
So that was Alive by Red Devil Vortex. I thought that song was pretty much a straight banger. And these fellas actually kind of reminds me of this White Zombie song, the main riff from Astro Creep. I forget. I think it's like the second or third song on the album. I like that song too. But anyway, these fellas actually originally they're from Brazil, came to LA with a dream. And it seems like the dream is coming through their last EP uh, hit the bill, number 16 on the Billboard Heat Seekers chart. And they were working on their last EP and friend of the show, my, my friend was producing their record, um, Augustus Crins, or we as we call him, Gus. And uh, when uh, Gus passed away, they were working on their next record. They had to kind of put things on hold, but they got a brand new guitar player, this amazing guy uh, named Louis Khalil. He actually played in Westfield Massacre for a small amount of time, but this guy's like a virtuoso. He's unbelievable. You got to follow him on Instagram, but he just joined the band. You can hear the crazy solos happening on this. So it's a real kind of turn for the band, adding some extra talent. He's also from Brazil. They're like the Brazilian connection, but in LA. And this um, this song is going to be off their new record, Dark Secrets, which is set to be released in the second half of 2021. Well, listen, fellas, we're running out of time, so hopefully it's going to drop soon. So please go over to their website, reddevilvortex.com. It's got a bunch of tunes on there, music videos. You can find all of their social media. And just tell them that Doc Coyle sent you. If you'd like to sponsor the show, get up in the DMs or just on social media, or just drop me an email at the xmanpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, that's EX. All right. We do have a guest this week, a very special guest. And I've said before, I've been trying to get more female guests on the show. I'm sick of the sausage party. All right. I've, I've had enough. All right. And I need to diversify what's happening over here. But I... I really had the good fortune to have the opportunity to speak with Alicia Taylor and most metalheads know her because she is the wife of Slipknot frontman Corey Taylor, but she's also an extremely talented dancer, performer, fire handler, contortionist. They do they do all kinds of things with this act called Cherry the Cherry Bombs and they've been out touring uh I think they're on Knot Fest right now. And it's quite, quite an incredible show. And just there's something about her that, you know, we kind of connected online. I just felt like this is a really badass person. And so just having the opportunity to speak to people who are involved in different aspects of the entertainment industry is something I'm always going to take the opportunity to do. So this is a really good conversation and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So please check out this talk with the incredible Alicia Taylor. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful I, thing. I find that I'm having a harder time with it as I get older, <laughs> turning into my mother. Listen, but it's it's paramount as we get older that we keep up with this shit, or else these uh, these these youngins going to leave us behind. All right. It is. It's true. I know. It's uh, we're trying. Keep your mind sharp. Keep your mind ready. Well, it's the it's the one thing I think the uh, the pandemic kind of forced all of us myself included to go like you know because we're doing because everything became virtual right so it's like now i have like 
professional microphone, professional camera. It's like you gotta you gotta be everything. You have to be a movie studio. You gotta be an yeah. editor. You gotta be a social media expert. <laughs> yeah. Public speaker. Everything. Everything. And you gotta do it all yourself. Exactly. Or you gotta have the means to pay somebody to do it. Either. Either way. But anyway, Alicia, yeah. which it's funny, like I've been following you on Twitter for so long, but you know you like you see things, but you never really notice them. And I and I'm and I and I see because I was watching the the docu series a little bit uh, prepping for this, and I see how people pronounce your name, and it's just it's in your Twitter handle, basically. <laughs> yeah, phonetically. I know, and and I, yeah. I I appreciate that, but it shows how how observant I am I am not. So Alicia. Welcome to the X-Men podcast. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of I've course. Been well, looking forward to this for so long. So. Really? Well, listen, yes. you're, you're really cleaning up the streets around here. I had uh, Vicky, the vocalist from the band The Agonist, uh, cool. on, not that long ago. And I'm in this weird predicament where the show keeps doing better. And so now I don't have to work as hard to get guests. They just kind of come to me. So, But, and because of that, I've been like saying for like two months, I was like, I need more women on the show. I need more women on the show. I'm just tired of talking to these dudes. All right. Stinking <laughs> up the show. Okay. So uh, when the opportunity came along to speak with you, and by the way, I, it, it's not just because of that, but it it helps because I, I feel so much of the perspectives, especially in this community are, are so singular. Uh, it's important to tell other other stories. So welcome. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me, and happy to be a part of it. This is awesome. Um, for, sh for sure, for sure. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so obviously I, I, I usually talk to musicians, uh, but it's important, you know, to really understand there's this, all this stuff kind of adjacent to that, right? Like you're an entertainer, which yeah, is, yeah. is essentially what musicians are. We're supposed to be anyway, right, if we're doing it correctly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that, that's that's a big debate too, right? Entertainer versus artist versus all of the above. It's all kind of um, yeah, it's all kind of uh, connected. Well, once sure. you sell a ticket to a show, I think it's part of the job description, right? Or else they won't come back. I will not say who, but I have seen some bands that do really well that are not that entertaining to watch. Um, but <laughs> that does not mean the crowd is not entertained. You know, it's yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in a ways, I think. Well, for well, for people listening that that don't know your 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 background, uh, I guess you're most well known for fronting a group. I I, I, I would you do you want to describe it? I feel like I might uh, oh, butcher it. It's like a cabaret rock and roll dance, uh, just. <laughs> Calvacade <laughs> of excitement and it's just it's everything it's like a circus basically every time i come across this question everybody has the same reaction and they tee it up the same way it's always can you describe cherry bombs it's a and then it's like a dot 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 and then there's always a little bit of ideas here and there thrown out to describe it that is, and that is the the number one million dollar question, right? Is like, how do we describe what Cherry Bombs really is in a nice, concise way that's easy and simplified to understand that's not super verbose? And I haven't quite figured that out yet. Listen, <laughs> so. you need to work on your pitch, all right? You need like, you know how when they're pitching the movie and they have, it's like one <sighs> like a, sentence, you know, it's yeah, like, they're like, 
Terminator meets Miss Congeniality, right? That's you just you're selling it, and then they just buy that in the room because that sounds like an amazing movie, right? It is a mix between the Pussycat Dolls and Cirque du Soleil, all to rock and metal music. Mm. And that is the best way I've found to describe it because people want to say it's burlesque, but it's not burlesque at all. Um, there are circus elements in it, absolutely. Um, but it's also dance heavy, choreography heavy. So um, it's really kind of a variety show uh that's to the music that we love right metal and rock okay so but variety show okay mm -hmm. we're kicking the old school it means we need someone coming out doing a little stand-up all right you need someone to like do some bits with and then you got to sing a couple numbers all right you gotta you gotta keep it real <laughs> i want a lot of variety okay how's the singing voice yeah <laughs> uh you know, I, I think people would pay me not to sing. Okay. So <laughs> I'm sure some of those girls can sing, all right? Multi-talented. They do. They do. Yes. Absolutely. In fact, we used to have a number uh, to Twist of Cain where one of the girls would sing and I'd come out and play guitar. And um, and then the girls would dance with it, too. So we put our own little cherry bomb, you know, mix on it. Okay. But I know there's, there's fire, which is cool. Uh -huh. All right, metalheads love fire. Maybe love everyone fire. loves fire, right? I think everyone's in, in on that. I think we could all agree fire is pretty cool. Yeah. Power tools. All right. There's, there's power tools. Yeah. So I mean, that means if like if Jet Jackal is ever on tour, maybe you guys do a. You know, oh God. Maybe... <laughs> <laughs> You're giving me PTSD. Uh -oh. Um. That's for the us, that's for the old heads who who remember you know know about Jackal back in the day, the oh, chainsaw yeah. song. Oh, yes. Um, a different kind of power tool. Yep, there's that in there. Uh, there's Ariel, um, which is hanging um, from an apparatus at certain heights. Um, let's see, what else is there? Um, yeah, there's, um, goodness, there's juggling, there's hooping, there's stilt walking, there's pole, there's, I mean, a lot of dance it's just kind of a mishmash okay so in addition okay so now i'm i'm, I'm i get a lot of ideas in the in, in the moment so in addition to the singing some comedy we also we need a magician all right we need to make some of you ladies disappear all right <laughs> cut in half <laughs> are there metal mu uh magicians out there oh yeah I, I, chris angel maybe does he count <laughs> well there's a guy from new jersey named Vinny magic who you know Ooh. who is He's a he's a very talented uh, magician, and there was another guy. I can't remember where I was. I was on tour a year year or two ago, and there was there was a really talented ma magician. I'm just I'm thinking of expansion. I'm yeah. thinking about Vegas. All right. Oh boy, yes. Okay. Yes. We yep. need to think big here. You're thinking box doves. That's right. Or how Soft. about this? What about a female magician? I feel like they're underrepresented in that field. They right? They are. They are, and I don't know of any personally. Um, goodness, I don't think Do you, I've even I have a really heard about, of it. Any. I have a theory about that, okay? I think men learn magic to impress women, right? Kind of like when they learn guitar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know which is, is more impressive, but I've definitely, like, uh, Art actually, Art Cruz from who plays in Lamb of God, the drummer, 
he is a talented magician and I've seen him, you know, do his trickery in front of the ladies and there mm -hmm. it it's it seems to be it seems to work. That's all I'm saying. Oh yeah. It's a great icebreaker. And I I've seen a couple, you know, the bar tricks where they take the, the have you seen the one with the cigarette and they like do this and they no. touch your hand. No, you haven't seen it? Okay. I'll show you that one sometime. I don't want to give it away. Okay. But I it's know pretty nothing, cool. All right. I'm getting by just know. all on looks and wit. This is it. All right. <laughs> uh anyway. Uh <laughs> so your background uh in terms of the the rock and metal aspect, like what what's your background just with music and the culture? And like were you someone who got into into heavy music super early on through your family and things like that? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in the Seattle area. And, you know, I was I was made in the 80s. So the 90s were really my formative years when it came to being introduced to music. You know, you're at a young age and you got a babysitter and she would put on green jelly. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, little pigs, little pigs. Let little me pig, in. <laughs> and I, gosh, I was so young. And I remember going, what is this? This is crazy. And then I remember hearing Nirvana and Alice in Chains, because obviously out there, that's all they, that's all they played. And, um, and then it, went into like smashing pumpkins was super massive when I was in middle school and all the kids around me, all the kids that kind of grew up around, we were all into that same type of music. It was what was considered really cool. And, um, so it just kind of became part of my youth. And I started really falling in love with the heavier stuff as we got into like the new metal movement. Right. And we had, I mean, corn, um, that was massive. Um, and then back even with the family values tour type stuff, right? Like Limp Bizkit, um, and, and of course, yes, yeah, Slipknot was, was massive. And it was like this new type of music that was coming out. I was like, oh my God, I've never heard anything like this before. This is incredible. And um, started diving into bands like Kitty and Fear Factory and... Um, and I just always was drawn to the to the aggression of it, the aggressive feel, especially of drums. Um, I always thought they were amazing. And um, I just, I don't know, it just it had a special place in my heart growing up. It's just something that you kind of connect with, I feel like, from the first time you hear it. I always say the the kind of music you love, and especially when it's something that's kind of a niche thing or underground thing, it, it chooses you, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's just something it's it's a calling. It just feels correct. And, and we're, you know, I always feel like we're the weirdos. We're kind of the, the misfits, the, the, you know, the, the, the dive bar people, the, mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, the yes. dregs <laughs> to some degree, we get no respect. Like uh, Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> said. Absolutely. You always kind of feel a little out of place, um, amongst bigger groups. Um, everywhere you go, it feels like, um, but then you go to things like a metal concert and you're like, these are my people. This is awesome. And everybody's super rad. And it just is the best place on earth to be. So um, I love that you say that it chooses you because you're absolutely right. Everyone I feel like that's a fan of this music knows exactly when they fell in love with it or what it was that just made them go, I love this. This is amazing. I want this music. I want more. Where can I hear more? 
Yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's, it's definitely a calling and, a, and it's, it's a culture and it's something, you know, I talked about this a lot on the show, how I think that time during the pandemic, when there weren't concerts, you know, all of us who are so, uh, entrenched in the in the community aspect of this it was like really being deficient right of of a of a need of that that communal need of that release of sharing those experiences together i say it's you know it's uh church for people without religion you know Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah i think it affected uh many people not just artists but absolutely the fans um concert goers you're absolutely right. Um, and you could feel it amongst everybody in our community. Um, just talking to one another. Um, it felt like there was just a a hole in your heart for a minute. Um, but hopefully we are on the way back. Yeah, no, it's, it's happening. And, uh, well, I think I'll be seeing you in a few weeks in LA at the LA not fest. So, Oh, good. Oh, good. Good. I'm so glad. Yeah, I have yeah. a flight, I believe, the next day. So it might be like kind of my last hurrah before I have to go away for a week. But I that's a, an amazing show. So I'm trying to be there. Uh, I, this this is the X-Men podcast. So we have to talk about career arcs, where you, 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 you've you come from. <laughs> and in, in my uh, limited research, it came to my attention that you used to be a cheerleader for the NFL. Yes. Which Which team? The Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons. And how, how did you start in that field? How did how would that experience treat you? I want the whole the whole nine. The whole shebang? Yeah. Um, well, I had been a dancer ever since I could walk. Um, my mom threw me in dance classes at the age of three and studied ballet, tap, jazz, hip-hop, flamenco, hula, lyrical, anything and everything I could get my hands on in, in the way of dance, I did. And, um, so it was definitely my calling. And when I moved to Georgia, um, because my ex was in the military, um, I was missing dance and I was missing performing. So I auditioned for the Atlanta Falcons cheerleaders. Um, the cheerleaders in the NFL are really dancers with pom-poms. They're not traditional cheerleaders as far as like rah, rah, let's throw each other up in the air type of thing. They're more trained, technical, studio-trained dancers that just happen to hold these pom-poms on the sidelines. So um, I liked that they were doing a lot of the technical stuff as far as, like, leaps and turns, um, things that would be considered quite difficult for a trained dancer. And I went for it and made the team. So did that for three years in 2010, 11, and 12. And it was awesome. It was amazing. Got to do a lot of cool things. Got to travel the world, perform in Kuwait, Djibouti, um, go to Bermuda and Bahamas and um, Curacao and so many different places, do hospital visits for kids and a lot of community outreach and obviously perform, um, you know, front row at a football game, which is super fun. And I did the cheerleader thing for three years. And I decided at the end of it that I just didn't want to dance to pop music ever again anymore. <laughs> I was done with it. And it was time to keep performing, keep dancing, but to the music I like and not have those crazy, super strict rules um, that cheerleaders have or had at the time. It's changed a little bit now. Um, 
but yeah, I just wasn't doing well with all the control on me and I just wanted to do things my way. So I did it. I, I've, you can confirm this for me if it's true, but I've heard that cheerleaders in the NFL are not paid very well. $75 a game. Jesus Christ. So it's almost like, what is the whole point? They're just like, here's a cool, fun thing. So we're, we're, we're not paying you because well, I, it's so strange to me. Cause it's, it's obviously not anyone could just show up and do that. You need really talented, yeah. skilled yeah. people with the right look and everything and every, all that. So it's, uh, that's so strange yeah. to me. And 400 girls show up to auditions and yeah. they pick 30, you know? So they know if you don't want to do it, fine. Someone else will gladly take your spot. Um, and, and look, like I wasn't a victim here. Like I knew what I was signing up for and I did it and you're required to have a full-time job or be a full-time student on top of it. So it by no means is your way of your only income and it shouldn't be. Um, but yeah, it, it is a big requirement. They do ask a lot of you. Um, so when you sign up a new audition, you have to be prepared for that and be okay with it. And if you're not, don't come back. Simple as that. But no, it sucked. <laughs> the pay so sucked. I, I imagine, I, I guess the big pull is that it's just something that's, you get great exposure and it's something that looks great on your resume for other opportunities, I suppose. Yes, it does lend itself to giving you a wide network of people um, to really help you get through the door anywhere. It's really a nice kind of a, stepping stone to whatever you want to go do next. Cause yes, it does look great on your resume. If you're going into that kind of environment, it says, I know how to show up on time. I know how to be accountable. I know how to, you know, act in a professional manner. Um, so it does speak volumes to certain people. I think, um, if that's where you want to go, maybe it's a status thing. For yeah, some, course. I could see that. Yeah, because there's like a lot of perks, you know, come to the club. The cheerleaders are here. They get in free. Uh, so there's things like that. Um, but for me, I just really wanted to dance. <laughs> That's it. Now, and here's, um, here's the other thing I've always, and this is just me, just my, my personal curiosity. Do you get hit on by football players a lot? Is that a problem or is it like separated? You're not really around them a lot. So in 99% of the football organizations, there is a very strict no fraternization policy. Mm. Uh, if you are caught hanging out, being too friendly with, you know, anything that looks a little sideways with any of the football players on your team, you will be kicked off the cheerleading team, no questions asked. Nothing will happen to the player, but you will be in big trouble. So we were all pretty paranoid about that. Um, I did date briefly a player on another team. Um, but that only started because he sent a ball boy over with his phone number <laughs> during a game. I, I don't think I would have ran into him otherwise. Um, so you can do that, I guess. Okay. <laughs> but, all right. Yeah. I'm taking notes. Um, all right. In case I ever join the NFL. Notes. You join the NFL. <laughs> yeah. You write, a, you write a shitty little poem on a piece of paper and you give it to a ball boy and you say, deliver there. <laughs> well, no, but that's just, listen, that's just anything like those are such, 
unique and kind of elite spaces. So, you know, anytime I can get a little insight into that, I'm going to going to ask some of my, yeah. my very dumb questions. Yeah. It's a different world, <laughs> um for sure. Um but um but it's it's all cool and it's all fun and um but for the most part, the cheerleaders at least on my organization were very much sequestered away from from any of that um and if there was any sort of hint at anything funny going on uh she was gone immediately so yeah so you said you didn't want to yeah so you said you didn't want to dance to pop music anymore when did the actual not just the idea of hey i want to do some type of thing my dance background and rock music. Um, but then the kind of the whole concept behind it in terms of, like you said, all the aerial stuff and uh, fire and all like, what wh- was there like a light bulb moment that you, something came to you or is it something that, that slowly kind of progressed? Yeah. Um, so my group is, I always say this in interviews, my group is not the first group to come around that, that does this. And I'm sure you've seen them in LA, um, you know, all along in, in the Viper room and stuff like that. There are many other groups that are similar to mine that dance to rock and roll. But I haven't um, seen, I've seen more, this is, this is just my yeah. insight. I haven't seen like a full group. A lot of events out here will have almost, it's almost like go-go style. You know, like mm-hmm. not, they might, they're not really stripping, but they're just like kind of, you'll see a band or like a, you know, a jam night or something and they'll have dancers. Um, right. But I haven't seen like a full troupe or a full, like, this is the main event thing. I haven't seen, I'm not saying that they don't exist, but I just haven't seen it. So. Um, yeah, there's been, there's been quite a few. Um, and I saw, I was seeing them and I, it got my wheels turning and I was like, they have the right idea, but I felt like I could execute it a little bit better, um, and bigger. And I had, um, I had the drive and I had the talent and I had the resources amongst my fellow NFL players that were retiring. And I knew that I could take that idea, but make it, just so much more. And that's really was the like aha moment um, was, was that. And, and I feel like we're doing a pretty good job of paving the way. Well, yeah, I mean, clearly it's, it's made an impact. And by the way, I, I, I have to implore uh, anyone who's interested in, in checking out the group um, outside of seeing, seeing the group live, of course, is there's this great, docu-series that you guys have on YouTube called Girl Gang, uh, which yeah. is which really gives a lot of very insider and kind of plain and raw insight into like the day-to-day in and outs of what, what it's like to kind of make this show happen. And, and, I, and I the thing I loved about it was just how vulnerable you are in there. Like you're showing kind of all the 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 shitty parts of it as well. And, yeah. and it's in, and I thought, I think that's a really great uh, way for people to kind of understand the whole thing behind it. Yeah. Um, I love that series. That first season, I, 
I don't know which one you watch, but um, I kind of zoomed around. Like I watched a little bit around. of the new season, and I watched uh, some of the the first few episodes. Oh man, the first one, we really were just saying to ourselves, "There's so much that happens with the cherry bombs and the behind the scenes work." A lot of people look at us and like, "Ah, oh, they're fucking strippers," and they just that's like what they say, and. And not that there's anything wrong. Strippers are awesome and they're great. And there is definitely a place for them. However, that is not what I do. And I think um, people just like to slap that on one as an insult, um, which is wrong in itself, I think. And two, it's just inaccurate. So um, whatever that means. But um, I wanted to show people the hard work that goes into it and the dedication and the craft and in itself and that it's not just girls up there shaking their ass and doing whatever, um, that it's actually takes time and talent and, and dedication. Um, not only that, but to kind of make your way in this industry in a, in a part of it that, that hasn't really been done before because it's live music, right? It's music. You're not a band. You're not musicians. So where do you fit in this world? Can you fit in this world? Is there a place for you? Can you make a place? Can it hold up? Um, and that's really what we're kind of exploring here is, is this possible? Do people dig it? Do people hate it? Should we just give up? I don't know. Um, Cause industry people are like, eh, I haven't seen anything like this before. This is, this is hard to work with. I don't know what to do with you. Um, and then other people are like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this before. This is awesome. So it's kind of just following along that path, really. Well, let's, um, let, let's talk about that. I mean, uh, you've been touring a, for a few years and obviously it, with the pandemic in the middle of that, of course, yeah. uh, to kind of break <laughs> up that um, consistency and, and momentum. Um, how, wh- how would you describe your experience in terms of generally interacting with the metal rock crowd and bringing something that is different and what i mean what what is your experience has it been would you regard as mostly positive there's generally two reactions we get one from from an audience that isn't familiar with us i should say and as we've been touring and and we've been out there we're becoming more and more well known so people know what to expect which is rad but if we're in front of a metal rock audience it's usually one silence and it's just that like <laughs> you're like hey well, welcome welcome to be an op- op- being an opening band <laughs> yeah you're like dude we fucking suck we fucking suck don't we like fuck because you know as an artist and entertainer you feed off of energy but because we're not a band we don't really address the audience. See, a singer can be like what's up all you motherfuckers how's it going Sammy say yeah and then everybody's like yeah because they love to do that shit but when you're a dancer and you're performing to a track and you don't have a microphone on you, how are you going to connect with the audience without blatantly addressing them? How can you get them to react? How can you get them to feel something? How can you get them into it? So generally, what we've noticed is that mouths are open, eyes are wide, a lot of blank. They could be drooling. <laughs> Maybe they're drooling, but honestly, it, it feels more like what the fuck is this? Because a lot of times they were expecting a band to show up and it's, and these girls come out and they ain't, they're not grabbing their instruments. <laughs> so, okay. Oh shit. Now they got fire. Oh shit. Now they're hanging. Okay. Whoa. 
And by the end of it, they pop. And then it's like, okay, I get it. This was rad. I don't know what I just witnessed, but I'm down to do it again. Then the other audience that we get knows what's coming. They're fucking into it. They're hooting and hollering the entire time. And it's like a party. It's just a giant party. And it's so much fun. Um, Or we've had audiences during this pandemic, you know, because they're all sat. Like they're at dinner theater and we get a standing ovation. And that's to a, to a dancer that is like the ultimate cherry on top. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I think it speaks to, it's like almost a conversation we're having before about this idea bet- between what is the job of the performer, who, of the musician, is it artist, is it entertainer? But, yeah. but I think what we're generally, I, th- I think what the scene needs is more spectacle, right? Ah, so, okay, yeah. So I think that's always a good thing. And and you can, and by the way, spectacle is art, right? Yeah. Like, you know, uh, whether that, you know, if you go see a Nine Inch Nails show and you see these crazy, you know, visuals that, you know, with screens and everything, and, and it's and it's beautiful, right? So, uh it doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other in in my opinion but i think you know and maybe and i think you if you you want to weigh in on this but you know i i think for bands to ascend right to really move up that ladder of of wanting to sell big tickets and move into big venues you do need some element of spectacle i mean it's very it's very rare that a that a a, a musical artist can kind of move up and keep it really simple. There's, there's gotta be something else to keep you excited, especially when you're paying a lot for tickets, right? You want to see big stage sets and lasers and fire and explosions and mm-hmm. whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You just want to see something that goes, Oh, this is, I'm not just paying to see five people play their instruments, you know? So. Yes. Uh, yes. And I think it should be said too, that, you got to be a good band first before you, cause you could be spectacle all day, but if you're not that great to listen to, I don't know. I don't know if it really, I, if it really oh, no, I, drives I, the poor. Do you no, think you can have one without the other? No, I would say this. So when you have a band that people will call like a quote unquote gimmick band, right? So right. like if Slipknot came out with the same setup and the songs were average, then the gimmick would have like bought them X amount of time, right? Maybe they get a year yeah, out of that. Maybe. maybe they get it two years, but yeah. eventually you gotta have the songs to back it up. And they had yeah. the songs in spades. Um, Ghost, another example, mm-hmm. great visual, great hook that brought a lot of people in, but God damn, they can write songs. Every song is like amazing, right? So yeah. I think, I think having whatever your your kind of hook is, your thing, it'll mm-hmm. it'll grab people and you'll have a moment, but unless the songs come, then yeah. it won't you won't be able to achieve the the great heights. It'll kind of stay at a at a certain Agreed. level, you know. Agreed. And I think, you know, and by the way, we've seen the other thing where if you just have great songs, you're probably going to be fine anyway, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> true, but also too, you know, think about like when you go to a concert, 
and, and I've said this too, uh, in explaining the difference between cherry bombs and a band too, most bands anyway, not all. Um, but when you go to a concert, you can turn your back and still enjoy the music. You can still enjoy the sound. You can go get a drink at the bar or whatever. And if the band isn't the spectacle that you're talking about, you're not really missing much. You can kind of meander and do whatever and still hang out and party. But if you add that visual element, now you're tapping into another sense for that fan, for that concert goer. And now you're giving them a different dimension to experience in this, in this world of, of this venue. And you're making it feel, to me, it feels more rounded out. It feels more um, just like a, it just feels bigger and feels, I don't know. There's just so much more to experience when you have the visual element that it's exciting. And I don't know about you, but I don't want my audience turning their back or talking or going to the bar. Like I want them glued to watching what's happening on that stage. So give them a feast for the eyes, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's very specific to this scene and culture. Like, uh, you know, before Bad Wolves got really busy and started taking off, I was I bartended for eight years. I'd work a lot of events, and I would do like EDM festivals. One thing I noticed about EDM festivals mm. is they actually don't. The crowd doesn't really watch if it's a big DJ or something. They don't really watch the stage because it's more like the DJ is servicing their connection with their friends. And they're like the way so that they can like the audience connects with each other less so mm-hmm. than like oh here's this performer right oh there's Dave Grohl on stage or there's you mm-hmm. know Eddie Van Halen like it's a it's a it's and and by the way I don't think one is better or worse it was just it was interesting to be around a different culture and see how different groups of people enjoy and kind of you know find their cathartic moment and why they go and kind of in, enjoy that and it was it was it was cool but it's. You know, but it's very different where it's like, if I'm going to a show, I want to see, you know, the the artist. I want to see James Hetfield on stage and, and oh, I yeah. want to see oh, who's playing the drums and how they're doing. And you want to connect to that whole thing. And it's very much about the individuals and connected to that. And it's just, it's just different, you know? Yeah, I agree. And do you feel like you as an artist, do you feel like you watch shows differently than say someone who's who's not a musician or not artist and you notice those things do you think those things matter to you more or do you think like a typical i call them normies right like they're you're non-artist non-musician do you think that stuff is is valued by them as much as say you or me um i think it really depends i think right let's say it's a regular regular joe and they're going to see one of their favorite bands to some degree, it's like these are the people that listen to all the songs in the parking lot. <laughs> like they, they like <laughs> free game. Yeah. So to a degree, they're so primed to already enjoy what's going to happen. that I think sometimes details get, get, can get lost where me, I'm very analytical where even if I love a band, I'm always like I'm always in learning mode. Right. I'm always like because yeah. I, when I see a great band and they're being great. And I see cool things. I'm like, man, that's cool. That oh man, I I'm taking notes on like how to be a great performer and how to be yeah. a great player and and just seeing things. And so I'm I'm always and by the same thing when I'm on tour with bands, 
you know, when you have the really good fortune to tour with a, a great band and you get to see them every yeah. day and you get to see yeah. all the little things and they do this. And, and also you like, you listen to their songs. You're like, oh, wow, this song. Wow. People sing along to this part. What is it about that song that people connect with? And what, what, what is it about how this band, they write really cool songs, but they don't translate as well live. But this mm -hmm. band, mm -hmm. the live thing, people are all cute, clued in. So I'm very much like a sponge. Uh, yeah. When I when I so it's but equally I'm a fan. I'm also like yeah. I when I'm watching a band I become the fan and I'm just there yeah. like I want to just enjoy it. But I also have this kind of dual mind, I guess. With yeah. It. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or were nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Bowie, Dylan, Marley, you've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. I was actually, the way you just described that, I was feeling that recently. I had the pleasure of watching Fever 333 for the first time live. Sick. Have you seen them? Uh, I'm trying to think if I've seen them in person. I've, I've watched, oh, so, I've watched so much live live footage. Or I've been to, I've been to, actually, I've been to shows they played and I've missed them. Um, oh. But yeah, I know. But I've watched so much live footage. Uh, like I've watched a lot of live footage of them. So you get the chance, catch them live. I like you. I was like, what is he doing? What's he about to do? Like this dude was. He was taking the drum riser and he was pulling on it, and the drummer's going crazy, doing flips off the shit. And he was like pulling the drum riser and building like a set out there. Like he was like putting it up on the monitor and putting the monitor on its side and making a ramp and then like throwing water all over it and running and sliding. It was crazy. I was like, Oh my God. Y'all are nuts. But I loved it. I loved it. And I was like, man, that gets the people going. That's when you just do that. creative again, that's that spectacle shit without, you know, anything crazy expensive, no crazy lights or anything like that. He's just yeah. Bob the builder out there making. Does, <laughs> it doesn't cost any money to be a wild man. No, but it works. It is. It can work. It can work. Well, that's a band that built 
a big part of their reputation on their live show. Like it was a thing where they'd play a festival or they'd open up for a band and you'd hear people in the crowd talking about them. I remember, remember, like I said, I went to to see them, uh, Corn. it was Corn and Alice in Chains and I I missed them, but you just, they had just got off stage and you see people wearing their shirts and talking about, Mm -hmm. like I said, because it, it is a spectacle, but it's also like, in some ways, like old school punk rock, energy, very much, you know, reckless, you know, abandoned out out there. Which I I don't I don't have the physical tools for that anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I actually just commented on on Jason's uh, picture, like he jumped like fourteen feet in there. I'm like, dude, how do you how do you how do you not break your ACL or or tear oh, something? Man. I tell you, I I don't know how old you are, but something happens. Like when you hit into your thirties, that things just you don't get up off the ground as fast as you used to, and now you need Advil all the time. And oh, I know, no, I've had back surgery. I'm I, I turned forty one this week, so you know. Woo! Happy birthday! Thank you, thank you. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> but Come you know, uh, huh? Come on, forty one. I love it. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, yes. listen. Let's keep let's 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 keep going. Every every year is a miracle, but but yeah, the the physical. Uh, you know, I mean, what, I mean, Corey. I mean, how many ne- didn't he have neck surgeries too? Yeah, he did. Yeah, because he broke his neck, um, and was performing on it for a while actually, and um, so yeah, he needed to have surgery done for his disc. Yeah, it's crazy. This this doing this shit, especially when you're doing it for twenty years, thirty thirty years, you get up there. It's 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 inevitable. And you know, unless you're like Bob Dylan, I guess, just strumming on an acoustic. You know, <laughs> the shit the shit we do, uh, it's not the body's not meant to do that for for you know however many shows you play in in a, in a year for that that long. It's it's crazy. No, all those years of showing off, it just <laughs> man. It does. It sucks after a while, but it's so worth it. It's so much fun. Yeah, of course. We. It's. It's. I say like you can't. Uh, like if I'm on stage, I just like I can't not move yeah. in a certain way. It's not like I'm good. Like I said, it's not like I'm doing backflips or anything. But just the way you feel it, it's just it's 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 part of it. You can't really help it. Yeah, you gotta you gotta let it out. I mean, you gotta leave it all out there, right? You, yeah. you gotta walk off that stage and feel good about. Because it's not just about music. It's also about performing. It's how can you perform? Like, and bringing it back again to this whole spectacle thing, this entertainment part of it. How are you going to entertain? How are you going to make these people move, feel something, feel what you're doing, feel the passion that you have for the thing that you're going after, for the thing that you're giving them? How are you going to make them love it just as much as you do and get excited about it and stoked? Uh, you know, you're not going to do it just sitting up there, finger popping your asshole for an hour. You're going to have to fucking move. So <laughs> I've just, I'm, I feel you all, all the way on that. Well, speaking of people popping things, um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you a question just about, you know, if have you had any issues in terms of maybe objectification or um sexism or things like that because this community it is male dominated it is kind of there is an energy of kind of a crow magnon primordial <laughs> mentality and masculine uh 
you know, kind of overdrive that that surrounds everything, which is which is part of what it is. But um, I hope this isn't a leading question, but is that something you can speak to or is that something you've encountered uh, at all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's very it's better now than what it used to be, but we still absolutely run into it. Um, there have been times where I actually, I've had a staff member who is a female change her email address to a male name to get responses, Mm. uh, for things that we need when we have to advance a show or get in the production end of things. Um, because we found that we were able to get more information, um, quicker and more efficiently that way. Um, another thing that has happened is that uh, I won't say where, because that would give it away, but you know, you know how, if you perform, um, and time goes over because a band ran late or something happened, right. And generally what they'll do is the band that is running over, um, they will tell them, Hey, you've got this much time. We've got to stop. You know, we like, we got to get back on schedule. Right. Well, with our show, our show is to one track. So it starts and it stops and we can't call an audible in the middle of it and say, cut the song out. Like it's, it's the time that we're allotted and that's it. So we're never, we never run over. But, um, there was a situation where there was a podcast happening, uh, after we performed on the main stage and the stage manager said, we're running behind. There's a podcast that's going to go on can you just perform around this couch in these like chairs that are going to be on the stage? Can you just like move around them? Like when you perform like right in the middle of the fucking stage, what is it? They were were doing like a conversation and they wanted you to dance during their conversation. No, they just wanted to leave the furniture up there so that they could jump into it right away. As soon as we were done, because apparently taking out a, two chairs and a couch was just going to take too much time. Listen, it takes that. That's a whole 20 seconds. I don't know. Correct. And <laughs> so, you know, I had a friend standing next to me who, who was a man and my, my male friend who was standing next to me, uh, spoke up and he said, would you ask a band to do that? And they were like, no. And he's like, so why would you ask the chair bombs to do that? They're on the bill just like everyone else. Why, why are you going to ask them to do that? Is it because you think they're not as worthy? Do you think, is it because they're a bunch of girls? Like, what's your problem? It takes 20 fucking seconds. Move the fucking couch. And they did not like me after that, but they did it. And um, so we just run into like little brush off stuff like that. Um, nothing ever really super like inappropriate advancing tough stuff um not on me but if i ever catch wind of anybody trying to come after any of my girls that way um and they're not cool with it i turn into mama bear real quick um so yeah um there's definitely you know been some some people who have have tried to toe the line on some things that i felt like weren't appropriate um and they know very fast so (laughs) <laughs> well it's in, in in many ways you know in in the uh this scene a lot of times especially if you're doing like a super heavy tour you know 
It's just it's a lot yeah. of dudes, a lot of ugly dudes. So then you see a collection of attractive women. It's like, you know, it's like water in, in the desert to some people. So you got to, you know, I don't know if you guys have security or something to uh, uh, deal no, with that. I mean, my all my girls are, are really good in that. The chess, this is our job. Yeah. Like this is this is how we work. It, we're not here to like go party or and this isn't our like getaway. This is we take this really seriously. So if you were ever at a show with my girls, you know, they're loading in, they're setting up, they're so focused on warming up, doing what they gotta do, and and doing it and getting out of there. And you know, you know, there's hangs, there's good times, but you know, we're just so focused on what we do and our reputation is so important to all of us as far as being professional and being taken seriously. And so we feel like we have to be, you know, prepared for any situation at any given time. Um, and we all, you know, communicate, we all are on the same page about that. And so, you know, we just don't really have time for any of that kind of funny business. Um, and if it ever approaches us, we, we cut it pretty quick. No, I was I was more thinking about yeah. rude people in the crowd, maybe, or you know, people being you know saying weird things or just stuff like that. Like, I, I mean, would think of like Roadhouse. Say, <laughs> yeah, no, I would say women. Women are probably the worst to us, um, and yet at the same time, they're also fifty percent of our fan base if you look at our our demographics. But if anybody says anything really awful about us or to us or shouting anything at us. Nine times out of a ten, it's it's another woman, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, we, interesting. We come across that. It is very interesting. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, too, like I said, we have a, a really massive female fan base as well. So it, I haven't quite figured out where where that comes from. What's the deal with that? Um, I think you know people are just more secure in themselves. And don't see us as, I mean, like, look, like I'm here, you're here with your dude. I get it. Trust me. We don't want your man. Like we're fine. We're, <laughs> we don't even see him. We don't even see him. You look like a bunch of see little, you know, people out there and we're not zeroing in on anybody. Girl, you're good. We're, just, we're <laughs> trying to get your dude. So, um, it's yeah. Like, it's like Maury, po Maury Povich. <laughs> That's how I think about it. Stop talking yeah. about man. <laughs> you, I, I've seen a, a, a I've seen someone make her her dude turn around. Mm. Turn around. You are not to watch this. Was that in the, was that in the Bible Belt? Was that was that in, in real America? It, Probably. It was actually. It was in the Bible Belt. Listen, you go to the, but, the t t these these so these are chastened people. All right, they need to be in a safe space. You needed a trigger warning on that. They didn't know it was going to be all that tantalizing uh, like, material. Man, I don't know if you've seen our show, but if you see our show, you would be like. That's your tipping point. That that's that's where you that's what makes you nervous. Because to me, I don't know, maybe because I'm doing it, but or I've been around it. But my show isn't really that scandalous. It's not. I don't think so. I I don't either. I think it's a, a strong, you know, 1990s PG 13. But I just I don't think. It's this super, I mean, and then I know that means different things to different people, right? But of all the things that are out there, I don't think Cherry Bomb is like the worst thing I've ever seen. 
in my life. No. So, um, yeah. So I wanted to just ask you about, uh, quick about the collection of uh, women you have you, w- working with. Um, it seems like you guys are really close, uh, yeah. which, which is really cool. How do you usually go about recruiting uh, members and finding the, the right people? Or is this just a people you've had kind of since the beginning or has it been an evolution? It's kind of evolved. Um, I have a really big roster. Mm. So we're around 12 to 14 right now. And um, most of them come from referrals from current members who could vouch for them, say, hey, you know, I got this girl. She's she's great. She's super talented. She's reliable. She's a good hang. Um, and usually they kind of vouch for them. And then I meet them, get a feel for them, and then see what they could do. And then, cool. Uh, we also hold auditions too. And, uh, when we audition, I mean, everybody can come, anyone can come. Um, and I teach them a routine filled with some fun choreography. And then they show me if they have any specialty skills, get a feel for their, you know, personality and, and then that's it. So, um, and then whenever a gig comes up, I send an email out to everybody and I say, Hey everybody, here's the gig, here's the pay. Here's what I'm looking for. I need this many who's in. And the girls that respond back, I build the show based on who's available and what they can do or what they do do. Well, it's, I, like I said, I have to recommend people watch the the documentary series, Girl Gang. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it just seems like it's a great chemistry and everyone has each, has each other's backs. And that's what I see. Yeah. Cause I always say, I think women, y'all could run the world. If y'all, yes. could, just, if y'all could just unite, you know what I'm saying? If you, yes. you know, if, if if the ladies put all the 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 rivalries aside, women could take over everything. You know, it's all you gotta do. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I hope that when you watch that series, you can see that it is possible. Girls, women, we're rad. I mean, and you find your little tribe, you're good, man. I got my girls, they got me, and I know that. And we have each other's backs. I mean, the cherry bombs—they just come over to my house just to hang, but they don't even have to be here. And we just, we support one another. We're there for one another. It, it really is a, a really strong unit. And I think we absolutely need more of that. Yeah, I, I agree. Sure. I agree. Yeah. So, so I've been, um, I'm not going to keep you too much longer. Um, we've been on for, for a while. This is flown by. It's how it goes. Sometimes you just go. And, uh, but, um, you know, I, I didn't want to make this too much uh, focused on, uh, your relationship with 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 Corey, but that is a situation yeah. that, you know, essentially put you on the map with a lot of fans like myself and and, um, but you know, I really wanted to talk about your accomplishments and the things you're you're working on. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I am just gen- genuinely interested in the idea of kind of being kind of full, fully thrusted in that world, right? Of yeah. Slipknot world and. You know now Corey's doing solo stuff in that that world, and also just being generally in a uh, a public facing relationship to some degree, and and kind of everything that that comes with that. I mean, how have you dealt with that? Just being in 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 something that feels more public than than most relationships. Man, it's different, um, yeah. and I don't think anything ever really prepares you for that because. You know, Corey and I had been acquaintances for a very long time. 
and we had just seen each other in passing. And, and then, you know, when Corey and I became closer friends, he's just, he's just Corey, like to me, like he's, and, and anybody that is friends with anybody that's like that. And you, and you, you know him and, and anybody else too, feel, you would feel the same way about that person. Right. So you almost forget that they're viewed in, in a different light to a lot of people. So you're just living your life as you normally would with this person. And you're just doing what you do. But all of a sudden, every little thing is now under a microscope that wasn't there before. And I didn't realize that every move of mine would have been analyzed or interpreted in some way by people who I've never met um, or will never meet. Um, people will look at your photos and break down, you know, your body language says this, you look like that. You must be he's thinking this. And, and it was just so bizarre to me because I've never looked at public figures that way. I've never sat there and been like, a man, I bet they're like this and they're like, or, or think of that. I could know someone's story who I've never met or who are not a part of their life. Um, so it was a really interesting uh, time and, and period of time where I felt like I had to really get used to that. Um, but I just kind of kept being me and kind of did what I did and I kind of had to decide okay do I want to do do I want to just authentically be me and not give a flying fuck about anyone or anything or what they think or what they say and just keep being me or do I want to pull back and and just protect everything and I think over the years I've just kind of figured out a balance between the two um and that, you know what, people are going to write some weird story for you, no matter what, which is weird. Um, and people are going to assume that they know the whole story of something, even though they weren't there or never were going to be there or don't know anybody involved. Um, and you just have to say, okay, cool. <laughs> well. And just be happy, you know? Yeah, I mean, but it has to be, it's such an affectation of the era we live in, right? Because it's social media, right? You and I didn't grow up with social media, right? It's something that yeah. has come into our lives. And it's something I think about all the time, something I talk about this show all the time, about the idea that when you're involved in entertainment, if you... If we were to go, hey, you know, I'm sick of people saying this, making this commentary. I'll just leave, right? I'll leave Instagram. I'll leave Twitter. But then all of a sudden, now you're kind of handicapping yourself in your ability to maybe promote your tour or make business happen or or just just whatever. Just or even you you know people you think about yeah. this like, hey, I disconnect from the negativity, but then you also disconnect from the positive experiences. Yeah. On, yeah. uh, on on social media so it's this it's this weird um devil's bargain we kind of make yeah where you want to be open and you want to be 
transparent, but at the same time, you also have to protect yourself. And you all, so it's, it's, it seems like, like I said, it seems like you've decided to go, well, I'm just going to do me and I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah. I've done a little bit of both. Corey, on the other hand, Corey left. Yeah. He's like, bye. I'm, I'm out of here. Um, but because, he literally doesn't need it. Like he doesn't need, but he doesn't need it. You're yeah. right. And, and the artists that say, man, I don't need social media. Okay. Lucky you because yeah. artists who are coming up, you, it's a necessary evil. You have to have it. That's how you reach people. That's all anybody reads nowadays. They don't, you know, they don't look up bands on Google anymore or, uh, and whatever they they're they're on social media they're seeing who's recommending who they're seeing you know who's on the spotify new list so streaming is a big thing obviously now and and they're not just like googling their their local bands who's coming up or whatever it's 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 social media a thousand and ten percent and it's it sucks um so you kind of also have to decide how do i want to use it do i want to use it uh for professional means only do I want to just stick to my art, stick to my music, and that's it? Here's a show. Here's the date. Show up. But fans have now hit this point where they like to connect with artists and see kind of a humanistic side of them. And I think that they value that. Um, and, and, as some may say that that kind of takes away the magic of some artistry, right? So that you're giving away too much, you're showing too much. Um, so when you show things like behind the scenes or how you do certain things, recording or whatever, um, you know, is that a connection thing with your fans or are you kind of spilling the magic a little too much? So there's a weird um, kind of balancing act you have to do um, with remaining a little bit mysterious for fans, but also making them feel like they can connect with you in a different way um, or more personal way. But the dangerous part about it too, is that they have a direct line to you. <laughs> so. Oh, I know. I know all about that. Lately. It's, been, it's been a wild year. <laughs> uh, yeah. Don't go down that hole. I don't, don't no. even look at it. I'm like, Nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so just to kind of reach a, a conclusion here, uh, what does the future look like for the Cherry Bombs? Because a lot of stuff you've been doing, seems like primarily a lot of the touring you've been doing has been with Corey's bands. Is yeah. Is the plan to kind of spread your wings kind of in some other areas and, and try and see how it functions just in some other avenues and venues and things, things of that yeah. nature? Absolutely. Uh, we've got Shiprocked coming up in January. We have a headlining run in January, woo, woo. and um, so we'll be announcing that soon. It hasn't come out yet, but um, but we'll be doing that in January, and we're going to see. I think that's the next step in the evolution of Cherry Bombs is headlining run. Let's make our own path here and see who wants to come to a Cherry Bomb show. So do you get bands to open up for you in that case? Yeah. That's Okay. Okay. I'm wondering. And so when you headline, what, how long is, is the performance? It would be an hour and a half. Oh, an hour. And a, whoa. That's, that's a long show. It is a long show. It's a lot of costume changes, but, uh, okay. female, ma female magicians. All right. You, you hit up, <laughs> <laughs> you hit up Alicia and you make it happen. All right. We got a lot of time to fill it in, in that, uh, in that, 
in that time. Yes. Yes. Female musicians. If you're out there, magicians, hit me up. That's right. We'll make something happen. We got, we got some time to fill. We've got, you know, you could do like a 20 minute act. Great. See, but you know what, by the way, I have, I have another idea. Maybe you're already planning this. So I might be kind of retreading ground you, you've, you've already been on, but you know how you were saying that when you do the show that you don't have that person like talking to the crowd to like hype them up or something. Maybe you guys can have like a, like the circus master, like the master of ceremonies who like presents things, you know, you can do something like that. That can, that can be kind of cool. Okay, exactly. I didn't say that. We'll strike that from the record. See, yes, that's, what, that's yes. what I'm saying. I knew, like I said, that's why I had the, the, the preamble where I was like, maybe you've already thought of this, but yes. you know. So the show that I wrote, Macabre, um, has Ooh. a storyline and it has a hostess in Ooh. it. And she is kind of your intro into the world of Macabre. I like it. Yeah. Do you know, you know, Mistress Julia? Who used to like host on um, Fuse? Mm-mm. Oh, see, I think no. Julia would be good. She's she's okay. badass, but she she okay. was like a, a VJ for uh, Uranium on Fuse back in the day. Um, but she's she's got that. She has that very like uh, I don't know. I feel like she could do something like that very well. She has the, okay. chops, the chops for it. New York, New York girl. Cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. Shout out. Right. I don't know if you can afford her. You know, I don't know. If she's, she's, oh. She might be asked for the big bucks. I don't know. But uh, okay. Well, ballers on a budget. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Julia, do the, the, was it hometown discount? You know, Seattle, New York, same, same deal. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Hook your girls up. You're okay. <laughs> we'll or, give you great exposure. <laughs> that's right. Or we just see if Elvira is available. All right. Where, where's she at? Hey, yeah. She's, uh, cause she's not doing, she retired, right? Did she? She put down yeah, the Yeah, I think wig. she did her last show uh, not that long ago. So Elvira would do live shows? Yeah. I saw a thing pop up where she was doing like a like a like a thing in LA where she was she was like, This is my last show and she was just I don't know if she was singing or if she was just hosting. Listen, well, I think we, we'd watch Elvira do, any, do anything. So I'm, Somebody I'm not, watching this is going to know. I'm not going to pretend to know what I'm talking about. I just saw a headline and I saw her give a little caption. And I was like, oh, that's cute. Well, <laughs> well, shout out to Elvira, legend. You know, happy Halloween yeah. to everyone. October. Uh, yes. Well, listen, Alicia, thank you so much for uh, being on the program. This has been an absolute pleasure. Is there anything else you want to promote? I know you're on. Are you just on the DotFest LA or are you on the whole tour? No, we're just on Knotfest LA, November fifth. Okay. Um, we are streaming that show Macabre that I was telling you about. We're streaming it this weekend and next weekend. Can you give me the dates um, on that? The fifteenth through the seventeenth and the twenty second through the twenty third of October. Gotcha. Showtimes are at noon and six PM Pacific time. Um, they have to be shown live because we don't own the rights to the music that we perform to. Sure. So, um, so you have to catch it at those specific times. Um, but yeah, we're streaming it and it's a really awesome performance, full length movie, a giant music video, if you will, to a bunch of different songs. And, uh, the whole thing has a whole storyline through it. So where um, are you actually going to be performing it? Live. Yeah. Or on streaming. The, 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 the streaming, is it? So it's pre-recorded. Oh, it's pre-recorded. Okay. So we we filmed it like a movie. Um, 
we filmed it like it like the settings change um you know it's in different environments it has different people coming in and out of it um so it's 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 like a it's literally like a visual album okay for an hour long so yeah, we're saying the next beautiful. thing is like musical broadway we're going big right is that is we're that going big i would love to perform with a live band like I think as that, our show i see i think that in, in a lot of ways, I think that adds to the spectacle of it all, yeah. you know, and it makes yeah. it cooler, you know? So I think oh, that's, a, sure. I think that's a great idea. So, you know, I'm going to need a million bandwagons, <laughs> 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 a lot of mouths to feed. <laughs> Listen, you ain't, you ain't lying, but, but hopefully, you know, as, as it gets bigger, it, you know, it becomes more successful yeah. and then the budget yes. increases and, and you can do cooler things. Hell yeah. I'm all for it. I got big picture. Can't well, wait to do it. I'm looking forward to seeing you in a few weeks, uh, you know, and, and just best of luck to everything. And I appreciate you and just, uh, you know, take care of yourself. All right. And I'll see you soon. Thank you, doc. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for this. And shout out to you. Shannon guns for setting all this up. Yes. Thank you, Shannon. Appreciate yes. it. All right. You take care of a great day. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye.
So that was a band called Vended with a track, brand new track entitled Burn My Misery. And Vended is making a lot of noise because it's actually uh, Corey Taylor and Clown from Slipknot's Sons uh, sing and play drums in this band. This band, is kind of, they're just kind of making a lot of noise. People are digging it. So I figured, I was like, what, what would be something appropriate that I could play after having Alicia on the show? And she was incredible. Thank you so much to her and, again, to Shannon Guns for setting that up. I just really appreciate her telling your story and spending time and, and hopefully listen as listeners. You all just enjoyed that, all right? It's, it's, it's a lot of fun for me. Uh, trying to think what else is going on. Uh, yeah, just got, listen, I got a Bad Wolves album coming out, all right? That, that's what's happening. I'm, I'm doing interviews. I'm, you know, doing content, hitting the road. I have a a letter, a fan letter to read. I like to read these at the end. I hope that's, that's okay. Uh, this letter is from Chris Bryant, and he says, Hey, Doc, thanks for taking time to read this. Hopefully, I don't screw up the reading. Sometimes we get rough. I wanted to reach out to express my gratitude for what you do with the show and how it has helped me over the years. I, too, am an X-Man. Around the time you started the show, I decided to leave my band of over six years. To say I was anxious and uncertain of what was to come was an understatement. All I knew that this move needed to be made no matter what. At this time you had started the show, I remember you using it sort of as a sounding board to help you yourself through your mental state after having quit God forbid. It was almost comforting in a sense to have someone with a similar background and having a similar mindset, and you more or less became my voice of reason with your opening and closing monologues. My last few years, I've been working on myself. I had anxiety issues that had gone untreated for years and that I had no idea what it was. And your episode on mental health helped inspire that. Oh, that's that's amazing. I never would have expected in a million years that a podcast hosted by one of my favorite and inspirational guitar players would be so cathartic and therapeutic all at the same time. It's helped me through very dark times, very great times, as well as what I can do to become a better musician with the experiences you and your guests share. Oh, and I also get great new music from sponsors and guests I may have not have given a chance previously or completely slept on. I apologize for the long-winded letter, but in conclusion, I want to say thank you. You have been the best mental health coach and inspiration for music I could ever ask for. And after the last few years, I have, um, excuse me, after the last few years, I have had it. It was great to have this show. Sorry, I think I might have read that wrong. Um, it, the last few years I have have had it, it. It was a great, God, I'm just destroying this. <laughs> It was great to have this show to always fall back on. I apologize. I'm sorry for everything you have gone through to this point with the legal side concerning bad wolves. And I hope there's light at the end of the tunnel soon. Stoked to hear more from Dear Monsters. What you have released so far has been absolutely crushing in DL. Man can sing. Holy shit. Thanks, Chris Bryant. Well, thank you, Chris, for the the letter. I apologize for my uh, less than stellar reading at times. But listen, I... That means a lot to me, man, because, uh, you know, sometimes doing this thing, you never know how it's affecting people or, or if I'm being overly, I guess, uh, open about maybe not doing so well sometimes or something like sometimes I get worried, like it might be in a Debbie downer. I don't know. And so to know that 
for some people, it, it seems to have some type of connective effect and that helps then thank you. Thank, thank you. And for letting me know that because, because I don't really know that in, in many ways, if you guys don't tell me I'm kind of speaking to the ether and I have no real idea of, of how it's connecting or who gives a shit or, I mean, I see the numbers. I know thousands of people listen to the show, which is amazing, but in terms of what's working or where I'm coming from, because uh, sometimes, like I said, I, 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 w- I wonder how personal should I get? How open should I be? And I always feel my instinct is to do that. Because I always say the one thing that makes this show unique is me, right? I mean, there's a million podcasts out there, but there's only one, only one DOC. So I figure the the best I can do that, and, and that I think that keeps the this process as clean as possible in terms of listeners being able to trust that where I'm coming from is from a genuine place as much as possible. Obviously I can't divulge everything. Trust me. I'd like to talk about a lot more, (laughs) Uh, but everything is not always appropriate all the time. So we do what we can, but anyway, thanks again to Chris. Thank you to everyone who listens to the show. Uh, It just, it, it means always means the world to me. So have a great week. NBA is back. I was literally just watching the Lakers and Golden State Warriors right before I was doing this. So happy congratulations to the NBA coming back. And I know the NHL is back for my my hockey fan friends. So enjoy that. And Mamba's out. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living. And every week, I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others. Photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy. And I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com and I'll see you there.